Good morning. Our reading this morning is from Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been preached to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Good morning, everyone. Um, Let's pray together. Yeah, Father God, would you, by your Holy Spirit, reveal the truth and the treasures from your word this morning? And would each one of us be open to all that you're wanting to say? Would you give us the ability to act on what you're calling us to as a result? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. It's nice to be with you this morning. I hope you've uh, warmed up slightly. It's a bit chilly outside. Um, But as Craig said, we're continuing our series, Thanks Living, this morning, looking at the book of Colossians. Uh, And it's a letter written by Paul in about AD 60 uh, during his imprisonment, which was probably in Rome. And the church Paul is writing to is embattled and conflicted from within because it's full of false teachings that were corrupting it. Ideas from other philosophies and religions had worked their way in and distorted Christian truth. And so Paul is trying to teach the first century church and by default us today everything um, that we need. He's saying everything we need is in Jesus Christ. And this passage that we have before us this morning is full to the brim with essential, foundational truths about the Christian faith and about who Jesus is. Um, But to some then, and to many today, it remains a little bit odd, a a bit weird. Um, They don't understand it, or they have a view of the Christian faith that leads them to distrust or to count people out, much like we saw in the video just now. And it may have been a sketch from a comedy show. Um, But do we know people who, for whatever reason, are uncomfortable with our faith in Jesus Christ? Or are we, in some way, unsure about our own faith because we struggle to find the words to explain it to people? 
Or are we someone who's still thinking, I don't know what I think. What is all this about Jesus being the firstborn over all creation? The one who created everything and is the beginning. You know, maybe people think, well, I don't need anyone to have supremacy over my life. Thank you very much. I control my destiny. I find peace and I find contentment and joy and love in many different places, but certainly not in the Bible. And I don't know if you found that that voice seems to be a particularly dominant one that we hear in these days. Well, here in Colossians chapter 1, Paul sets out his case. Here in these few verses, we find one of the strongest statements about the divine nature of Christ found anywhere in the Bible. And so if you would like to hear me out for a few minutes uh, about that, or you'd like reminding uh, about who Jesus is, his authority, his power, his creating and creative nature, his once and for all complete, total and convincing victory over death and his boundless, limitless, never-ending, deeper than you could ever think possible love for you, then don't go anywhere. Uh, You're in exactly the right place. See, Paul tells us, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Not just equal to God, but he is God. He is the exact representation of God who not only reflects God, but reveals God to us. Uh, And the Greek word, which I'm sure you will all know, um, for image here is icon. And it expresses two ideas. Uh, The likeness, as in the image on a coin or the reflection in a mirror, And also the idea of manifestation with the sense that that God is fully revealed in Jesus. Uh, There's another Greek word that Paul could have used uh, if he just meant that Jesus was a bit similar to God. Um, But he uses this stronger word, icon. And so Paul is telling us that Jesus is God just as the Father is God. Paul's saying that God is invisible here doesn't just mean that he can't be seen with human eyes, but that he is unknowable. However, in Jesus Christ, the unknowable becomes known. And so, you know, if we as Christians can't get maybe just a little bit animated or excited about this stuff, if we can't try and tell our faces uh, that our hearts are on fire for Jesus, if we can't get riled up about the resurrection or excited about eternal life through Jesus, then I wonder who will. And now, of course, you know, we all express ourselves in different ways according to our God-given personalities. You know, some of us are, are loud and outgoing and others are just a little bit quieter. Um, but how, I wonder, are we making our faith in and love of God, surely the most important dimension to who we are, visible? Last week, Simon posed some questions for us. He asked if we wanted to be part of a church that is serious but joyful about the gospel, about Jesus. He asked if we wanted to be a church that wants to see lives saved and lives transformed by the good news of Jesus. And I think a lot of us said yes. And so church, let's make it our priority, particularly when 
things feel heavy and uncertain for so many of us. Let's make it a priority to discover or to rediscover our Saviour Jesus as the true image of God. Jesus as God and Jesus who makes the unknowable known. I wonder what we might need to put down or or just put down for a time in order that we might step into the fullness of relationship with God and the calling that he's placed on us to, to know him better and to serve the world wherever we are. How are we serving him and his church? How are we serving our relationship with him today? In Jesus, the unknowable God becomes known. And um, if that wasn't enough of a theological mic drop for us to wrestle with, um, Paul reminds us that Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. He says Jesus has all the priority and authority, much like a, a firstborn prince in the king's household. Um, but he came from heaven, though not the dust of the earth, and he is completely holy and has authority to judge the world. And so if we don't believe that, then our faith is kind of pretty hollow and pretty meaningless. Um, And I don't know about you, but I haven't really got time for meaningless stuff. I'm determined to pursue purpose and meaning for my life as long as I have one this side of heaven. I don't always get it right, but that's what I want to do. There's so many demands on our time, though, aren't there? So much of the time. And so wonder, when was the last time we took a moment to wonder at or with Jesus at his power and his authority? Because his is the kind of authority and the kind of power that won't let you down. It's the kind of authority that carries integrity and it won't deceive. He is holy. And in him, fullness and fullness of life dwells. The ancient Greek, which again, I'm sure you'll know, um, for firstborn used in our verses here is prototokos, which can describe either priority in time or supremacy in rank. And Paul most likely has both of those ideas in mind here, with Jesus being before all created things and Jesus being of a supremely different order than all created things. And so there's no doubt here that Jesus is the author of all creation because he himself is not a created being. There was no time before which Jesus, as part of the triune, three-in-one God, existed. So every time we wonder at our marvellous and glorious world, we worship and we honour him. We might not marvel at what's happening in the world or to the world, but we can stand in awe of the world that he created. And it's also a world that God sustains And everything holds together because of him. If you were to zoom out into our galaxy, and I love kind of interesting, you might say they're boring, facts like this, but um, I don't know if you knew the rings of Saturn, which is quite a few miles away, um, are 500,000 miles in circumference, but they're only about a foot 
thick. I think that's amazing. Um, if you were to zoom back in, uh, right inside the human body, and look at a single chromosome, a single chromosome in the human body contains 20 billion bits of information that if you wrote out in books, would take about 4,000 volumes. And that's just one chromosome in the human body. Jesus did that. He's also the firstborn among the dead because he was raised from death to life and his resurrection proves his lordship over the material world. And the promise of scripture and God's promise to us is that all who trust in Jesus will defeat death and rise again to live and to love forever with him. Jesus is the Lord of all. He had the last word over death and sin, and he surely deserves first place in our lives. Christ's death provided a way, the way, for every single person on this planet to come to God, free of the sin that prevents fullness of relationship with him. And so I wonder if maybe there's some distance between you and God this morning. The author of creation and our Father in heaven. And that might be because um, you know him uh, and have somehow stopped putting your faith first in your life. Or because you felt discouraged or burdened by all that's happened in your world or our world over the last two years or so. Or maybe it's because you don't know him. You think he doesn't want to know you. Or maybe it's, it's because you, you just never knew the one who created you actually existed, let alone wants to know you more than anything. Because, you know, culture tells us often not to really bother. Often the message we hear is to live in the here and now and to live for you. And I, I don't know if you've seen, but there have been some studies done over the last six or seven years that, that warn us that our attention span is reducing. You know, we're being told we're even unable to engage in tasks for any extended period of time and certainly not on a meaningful level. But interestingly, more recently, that research has begun to be disproved with one doctor of psychology, um, Dr. Gemma Briggs, suggesting that our attention spans are very much task dependent. It depends what the task is. She says, we've got a wealth of information in our heads about what normally happens in any given situation, what we can expect. And those expectations and our experience directly mould what we see and how we process information at any given time. And so I wonder if this morning you would dare to raise your expectations. Do you dare to raise your expectations of what God might want to say to you? or do for you, or show you, or reveal to you, or, or the place or the situation he might want to send you, or the task for which he might want to use you. And if your answer would dare to be yes, then there's good news for you. God is ready to meet with you and to equip you. And the best thing is you don't need to conjure up or manufacture some kind of earth-shatteringly 
huge spiritual experience or atmosphere to meet with him. Uh, Mike Pulavachi, the leader of Soul Survivor Church in Watford, said this recently. He said, most of us are wired to hunt for the spiritual in the spectacular, while often it's found in the ordinary and the mundane. We've boxed God into speaking impressively and missed that he prefers to speak lovingly. God whispers because his priority is intimacy and not entertainment. I wonder if you want to raise your expectations of what God might want to do in your life and in the life of this church, in this city, in this diocese, in this nation. Do you want to meet with God afresh and respond to what he might be calling you to? And you know, you might face situations that frustrate you or confuse you. But each one of us has an opportunity and an invitation to be in relationship with the living creator God. And we have that opportunity because where we were distant from God because of our sin, Jesus transferred that sin from us to him through his sacrifice on the cross and reconciled us in order that we would be completely blameless and holy forever. And that's God's saving work in and through Jesus. And I think that's something that we can get excited about and get joyful about. And so I wonder, what is God lovingly whispering to you, his child, today?